0: Are. Hey everybody, this is Troy Olson, host of Capology 101 and drafting late. I had a great opportunity last year to play in a very new format called DynastyOwner.com. Dynasty Owner is the ultimate dream for all sports and business fans. Dynasty Owner is the only patent fantasy sports game that combines Dynasty football with actual NFL player contracts, just like you'd find out about on Capology 101. We don't Use make believe or demand based contracts or salaries. We use the actual NFL player salaries and contracts. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, every contract matters. We just finished our beta season in 2019, which I was part of and was a whole lot of fun, you guys. We I got to see a whole different side of fantasy football than I'd ever played before and are now working on our mobile app for iOS and Android, and it'll be ready for the rookie drafts in May. They're opening up the game to everyone in 2020, but they're limited to 1,012 team leagues. You can win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. So come join our 2020 season waitlist and start your dynasty at DynastyOwner.com. Again, that's DynastyOwner.com just remember this podcast would not be possible without the folks over at dynastyowner.com so please go check them out if you sign up for a league make sure you tell them that drafting late and capology 101 sent you and now on with the show What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the second episode of Drafting Late, presented by DynastyOwner.com. That's right. If you heard my quote-unquote open, which is an ad for DynastyOwner, you uh, you do know that it's because of DynastyOwner.com that you're getting this podcast today, and you're also getting Capology G101 because of DynastyOwner.com. So go back. If you skip through the ad, go back and listen to it. They're a great group of folks, but check out DynastyOwner.com. They're going to be the next big thing in uh, fantasy football. I was there last year in their beta. It was a lot of fun. You really got to check it out. Uh, This is a podcast where we uh, break down the best late-round options on Redraft, Dynasty Startup, Dynasty Rookie, and sometimes Devi and IDP. We're going to help you find the next Terry McLaren, Darius Slayton, etc., etc., etc. My name is Troy Olson. I am at DFF Voice, and I am joined this week with Daryl Winstead, or as I know him, hollywood he is a co-host on the idp nation and the rated idp live when he's not making you a better idp play, idp player which he will do he will get you to tighten up but not next week please welcome no, to the show daryl hollywood winston you didn't hang up on me hey, did man. you daryl giving you a hard no, time i'm by here. here i'm here <laughs> so that was a uh, that was you know i'm 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 from Kansas City, but I don't – I'm. well, I'm, I can't even say that. I grew up in Nebraska, but I spent my adult life split between Denver and Kansas City, so I've always been kind of a Broncos and Chiefs fan, so I don't claim any one team in pro football because you can't claim division rivals and it gets everybody mad at you. So I just don't claim anybody. I claim my fantasy team, whoever I have the most of. That's who I care about, and that's why I try not to draft Raiders players. But, boy, it is nice, and the people of Kansas City are great people most of the time, um, and so I know there's always going to be stories of people that have bad experiences, but I tell you, I lived there for a long time. I was a Royal season ticket holder, and those Chiefs, those fans, you know, they they've deserved what they got with the Royals, and and they're definitely deserving it with the Chiefs. I'm so the Titans came so close. They had such a an amazing run there. You know, did you guys expect the Titans to be anywhere near that good this year?
1: Uh, no, especially not with that start. I mean, two and four start <laughs> was pretty rough. Um, we had no idea that Tannehill was going to come in and do this.
0: I like Tannehill, especially late in um, in uh, uh Superflex drafts. But boy, I, I never could have guessed that he was going to be as good as he ended up being there late in the season, and and what he did with AJ Brown was just amazing. And you know, that's one of those examples where you can't you can't um take too much on landing spot over talent. Brown. because if you took A.J. Brown early, you know, before the draft, you were still happy by the end of the season, but it uh, he definitely was a, a steal last year. Did you end up with a lot of A.J. Brown shares? I did. I
1: took a lot of A.J. Brown, and early on it didn't look too good, but once uh, Tannehill come in, he did a lot better. Um, I had said before the season on another podcast that if Tannehill comes in and takes over as starter, we're probably not having a good season. Um he did come in and take over as a starter, but we wound up having a better season and I think he allowed he played well enough to allow them to use Derrick Henry like they should, so that was the key.
0: They were by far the most interesting team in the playoffs. I mean, what the Chiefs did was was great, especially with the two big comebacks, especially that first one, because if you go Kansas City fans have just been tormented for so many years that so many of them were given up. And I was like, guys, you know, this is a special team. Just hang tight, you know, but 24 nothing's <laughs> hard to look at when your team's just getting dismantled that way and you're up against a really good quarterback and what have you. But they came back against Houston, and then they, they decided to do the same thing against Tennessee. And um, I was in a chat room with you, of course, when it was all happening. And <laughs> I was just being quiet because I didn't want to be rude, but I, I kind of felt like they had that comeback in them. And then I just – you know, you kind of watched it uh, fall apart. And I've seen that. You know, I've been there live for when somebody's team's falling apart. I was in Atlanta. My company's based out of Atlanta that I work for. And I was in Atlanta for training on the Super Bowl when they lost, when the Falcons lost to the Patriots. And I've never been in a room with people that were so disheartened and so broken as as the – Falcons fans. Were were Titans fans like that, or were they just pretty excited that they had gotten that far at that point?
1: I think it was a mix. I mean, most of us didn't, after the start, like I said, after that 2-4 and four start, we didn't expect to end up where we did. Um, but I think once we got rolling, uh, you know, it started with the first time we played Kansas City and come back and beat them 35-32. I mean, when we beat them there people started noticing a little bit and then a few games later we just we kept everything rolling um the playoffs is really where (laughs) where it got crazy you know we went to new england and beat the goat which a lot of people didn't expect uh then they wrote us off at baltimore we went in there and just beat them up at their own game more or less um I kind of want to think we run out of gas at Kansas City. Uh, I don't understand why they got away from running Henry like they like they should. I mean, we we had them where we wanted them, and we just kind of let them off the hook, you know. As Denny Green once said, "They are who we thought they were." <laughs> yeah,
0: no, and uh, it was it was a lot of mixed emotions for KC fans because they were so grateful to Tennessee for winning that game against Baltimore and bringing the AFC championship <laughs> to Kansas City. But then at the same point, you are going, "Oh, we're so happy that Tennessee won," and then it's like oh, shit, we have to play Tennessee. You know, so it's, <laughs> it, it's what medicine did you really want? Was it a good or bad medicine? It worked out, but it uh, it's, Arrowhead's an amazing experience if you've never gotten to do it, and uh, I bet that place was – I mean, through the TV it was great, but I could have only imagined being in that place for that yes. game, and it would you have know, been we, amazing.
1: We really weren't intimidated by – going to Kansas City, because we beat them a couple of years earlier there in the playoffs. So I don't think, you know, the home field advantage, I don't think that was in our heads too much, but I, it's just, I don't know. We For some reason in the second half we changed what we were doing and what we had been good at and what had got us there and uh, just kind of got away from it, and that's when Kansas City
0: just took over. And I, I'm trying to look it up here real quick, but didn't Tennessee and the Chiefs had played earlier, in the year and i think that was a very close game wasn't it it was like yeah, it was the like first 3532 i think it was 3532 titans won which is interesting because if the titans don't win every game you know they don't make the playoffs because of that bad start that you've talked about and right. i think that was the first game or one of the first games with Tannehill. hill and was. Uh, and everybody was healthy in that game so the chiefs i believe don't quote me on that but i believe everybody for the <laughs> chiefs was healthy so it wasn't like they were playing Backups. It was so Tennessee had nothing to to worry about. But we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap back around to Tennessee here in a little bit. But I do want to get into um, the reason for this show, and that is to talk about some players that you can find late in drafts. And this is one of those shows where you're going to get to find out some IDP information because when you when you got one of the best IDP guys out there, you got to talk <laughs> a little IDP. So um, first, let's talk a little draft strategy. I played in my first. Um, I played in my first IDP leagues last year, and I had a lot of fun with it, but it's something I'm not very good at. It is fun because, like people say, you get to watch both sides of the ball then instead of just watching the offense on the games you're watching. You can actually get excited when there's a big defensive play too. Right. And I found myself in some pretty decent teams, so I think I did okay, uh, you know, listening to people like yourself to give me some advice. But when you set up to do an IDP dynasty draft, we'll say – um, in the startup, where do you normally look to start taking defensive players? Where do they kind of fall in for you? If fearing that the, the the commissioner's done well on scoring and the scoring is is normally even, we'll call it. Okay. Where do you start looking for uh, to yeah, draft your defensive players?
1: Yeah, if it's balanced, um, I don't really try to set a certain round. I kind of just let it flow. You know, see what's going on. Um, and then going into it, I'll try to look at maybe fourth, fifth round, maybe taking one of the elite guys like an Aaron Donald, a Darius Leonard, who whoever I think is that elite to take that early. Um, there's some, you know, if you're playing, if it's a uh, position specific, like uh, D tackles, D ends, then, you know, Donald carries a little more value because he is a D tackle. Um, Linebackers are usually ones you target first because they score the most points, then safeties. Um, I did one last, or a couple last year, and I took Leonard, the first IDP off the board in both of them, and I took, them in, I took him in the fifth round. Um, but then I went right back to my offense. So usually if, if you trigger... In those two leagues, I took Leonard, uh, and it kind of triggered a defensive run, so it kind of kept everybody off of the offense, so I could go back and and do some offensive things. But yeah, I don't get too carried away, you know. Usually fifth round or so, and if it's you know if everybody's still staying away from it, I'll let it slide a little further if I have
0: to. Well, I that's I I tried to do about that I think um um and uh and tried to get. Tried to get going, but I just, I don't feel like I did a real good job. With my do- and then the hardest thing is, is because I don't know the players well, I have a hard time trading. So I always have to yeah. go to like our little Twitter groups or something that we're in together. And I always say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm adding you, Hey, what's this trade? Did I do good? Am I, am I good? What do I do here? because I'm still learning. It's it's a whole different learning curve. So don't be intimidated by it because even people like myself that have been playing Dynasty for 10 years, you know, I just got into IDP last year and it's, it's very overwhelming. So I definitely recommend everybody do at least one IDP league. And if you, if you need somebody to be in your IDP league, I'm sure you give me a shout. I, I probably, uh, I'll probably agree. I'm always up for for new people and everything else. So it, be, uh... it can
1: be a little overwhelming, but once you get in there and kind of get the feel for your, your league and your league mates, it's really not no different than any other type of fantasy league. Um, I mean, it's just getting the feel, getting the value of them, you know, you know where you're, 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 scoring. It's, it's just like that. If you know you're scoring and it's comparable to offense, then, you know, you can gamble a little earlier, take them a little earlier. Um, it's just basically the same thing. I mean, it's it's just new to people, and I think it kind of freaks them out a little bit.
0: All right, let's dig in here. You got it. You uh, sent me a couple of rookie guys you want to take a look at, and I can honestly say I've never. I, I think I've heard <laughs> of one of these guys. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take me through this. But that's what you're here for is to give us an idea. So uh, kind of tell us about these guys, and then where in an IDP. Obviously, rookie draft, you would expect these guys to kind of fall where where people should be looking to take them. Um, but the first one we're going to start with is a cornerback, from uh, Reed Harrison Ducros from the Dis- Discusne Dukes. You can help me out there. Duquesne Dukes. I should have known that. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, yeah, he is – if you play
1: in a uh, position specifically – which means you're starting corners and safeties, tackles and defensive ends. Um, This is a guy you're going to want. And I don't know how many people really know about him. Um, I just happened to stumble across him, and I watched every game he played this year. And I'm telling you, the more I watched him, the more I like him. Um, He comes from – the knock on him, he he transferred from Boise State. Uh, But the knock on him is is he's going to be his competition level – where he played at Duquesne. You know, it's like a Division Two. So, but I'm telling you, he's got Division One talent. He's that good. And he's actually so good that I have him in my top five at the position for this draft class.
0: So he could be a real steal because if you're saying he's that high but it's somebody that people probably haven't heard of, he's fallen to the third, fourth, fifth round area at least, oh yeah, right? And
1: maybe even later than that. I mean, it's... <laughs>
0: You know, he's he's a ball hawk. If you
1: go back you know, on my timeline, you could probably find some videos of some interceptions. He's not afraid to tackle, which most corners don't like to do. He will get right in your face and just tear you apart. And then he's a ball hawk. I mean, he, he is one of the most athletic and smart, intelligent guys I have seen in a long time.
0: I was trying to look. I uh, I'm I subscribe to the Dynasty Nerds as well. You know, support independent um, sites out there. And they have their Dynasty Prospect film room. And there is no film on Reed Harrison Ducros in the film room. So definitely go back. Give them your Twitter handle. Because I didn't do it in the beginning. Give them your Twitter handle so they can. Because uh, yes, it's kind of weird. Uh,
1: it's Hollywood at DFFDwin.
0: Underscore Dwin. Because the first half wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> Rat. So definitely go check him out, and uh, he can, you can find those videos. But they're not. I'm not finding video in my quick glance here anywhere else. So that's a guy to definitely target in your IDP uh, late rounds. You know, somebody that could really be a difference maker for it for you. Now talking about a Division One guy, Bryce Huff coming off the edge from the Memphis Tigers. What do we need to know about Bryce Huff?
1: Very good edge rusher. His um
0: his 2008.
1: 2008- Teen season, his junior season statistically is a little better because that's where he broke out with uh, the big sack total. I think he had nine and a half or ten, something like that. And he had a bunch of tackle for losses. Um, this year, his numbers were just slightly a tick off, but it was mostly because teams were paying more attention to him. Um, but he can get around the edge, he has good bend, good power, uh, you know, good hands, uh, improves. I've seen improvement from year to year to year out of him, so uh, he wants to learn, and he was actually our very first IDP interview on IDP Nation.
0: Well, that's kind of exciting. (laughs) Let's see here. I was going to pull him up here real quick. He's a four-year guy um, Mm -hmm. playing at Memphis. He's obviously a senior, so uh, did he play in any of the senior bowls or anything like that where people could see him against similar talent?
1: Oh, he was at the – oh, man – not the senior, ball. He was at the East-West Shrine game. He actually had a big sack there, had a couple of pressures. Um, Did really well. Uh, Still got some room to grow. Um, I think you get him in a situation where, with some NFL coaching, he's going to be even better. He can play with his hand in dirt, or he can play standing up. So uh, He's a really good late option guy. Get him in the right situation, he's going to be a a good... uh, good
0: player so he played in five games as a freshman didn't do much of anything played in 12 games as a sophomore still really wasn't any great numbers but boy he sure did take off his junior year 14 games 35 yep. solo tackles 14 assisted tackles 19 tackles for a loss and nine <laughs> and a half sacks he uh, forced a fumble and then his senior year like you said he did take a step back um he did 14 games, 33 solo tackles, 19 assisted tackles, 15 and a half for a loss, and six and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Now, this is something that I find interesting about defensive players, and maybe you can explain it for the people because, to me, it's something that I don't necessarily understand. So maybe other people don't either. And that is, um, he here on I'm on Sports Reference, and he's moved on his junior year. He's a linebacker. His senior year, he's a defensive end. How does that translate when they get to the pros, when you see them move in college? Does it usually mean anything? Uh,
1: most people will tell you that's a plus. If uh, you've know if you played one position, if you're a defensive end, that means you're probably most likely playing in a 4-3 scheme. If you're playing as a linebacker, then you're in 3-4. You're that outside linebacker guy. So for him to be able to play both schemes and have good experience and good production at both, that translates well. That means more teams are going to look at you. you know, you're, you're not kind of, as they say, pigeonholed to one scheme or another.
0: So it makes it, him a little more immune to landing spot.
1: Yeah, I think it makes him more valuable. With that versatility to play either one, um, it's, it's going to drive his stock up a little bit.
0: That's very interesting. I That is something I did not know. I learned something new today. <laughs> so, uh, staying in Division One, where and staying with a linebacker, or depending on how you want to look at him, um, Marcel Spears from Iowa State Cyclones. Tell us a little bit about Marcel Spears.
1: Spears is an interesting guy. He's kind of played uh, for Iowa State. He played both inside a little bit and outside. He was mostly an outside guy. Um Played in the Senior Bowl. If you watched it, he had a big interception that he returned. Uh, he's going to be a little different from uh, what Bryce Huff, because Huff is going to be your edge guy. Where Spears is going to be more of a linebacker. He has great intensity. Can change direction. Coverage skills, as you seen in again in the Senior Bowl, he gets the interception. Um, really explosive. Has good acceleration uh read and reacts very well to the ball um not exactly sure where he's going to go in the draft i'm going to say like a day three pick and you and in your rookie drafts he's probably going to be five six because there's a number of linebackers ahead of him but i think getting him that late it's going to be great value
0: so he's a fifth year senior uh didn't yeah. play his first year and then uh lightly played as a freshman um and then played pretty good as a sophomore, junior, and a senior. Actually didn't have any interceptions during the regular season this year, but has had four in his career. Um, he, uh, I haven't watched any video on him yet, but he looks like he has decent speed based on these interceptions. It looks like he yeah. uh, he's able to get up and go with the ball a little bit and make a big difference. Is that the kind of player you see him being in the pros, as somebody that can, like you said, play the linebacker spot but kind of fill up the middle and, and grab a ball out of the air and take it the other way for a little ways?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, he's usually makes a lot of tackles. I mean, in the Big Ten, you know, they uh, or Big Twelve, excuse me, they you know they like to run the ball. You know, Wisconsin and Michigan and all those teams they like to pound it. So he he can stop the run. I mean, he's really good at that. But to see him dropping coverage is huge. And I think that's his performance at the Senior Bowl is going to make a big one. Like I said, he dropped back got that interception, ran it back. So that's going to go a long way. That'll open up some eyes on him. Um, Definitely one worth watching.
0: So those are three rookies to keep an eye on. And one thing I love to do when I have somebody on is, because you know your favorite team better than anybody else, what are some Titans players that I, I don't know if there's anybody still even hidden at this point because when you get that deep <laughs> in the playoffs, you've kind of exposed everything. But what are some guys that you think are going to go late in either a startup draft, a, a, a redraft, or even, obviously we don't know about the rookies yet, but you know some guys that are going to go late in, in a startup dynasty draft or some guys to go out and trade for because they're going to be even better than they were next year
1: um if, if it's idp i think you definitely got to target jeffrey simmons missed most of the first half of the season with an injury and come back and was just on fire really for a few games i it, still learning his way where he had missed the first half of the season but putting him next to Jarrell casey is going to be huge and i think year two you're going to see him uh, dominate
0: do they re-sign Tannehill?
1: Oh, man. I, I think they do. I, it, it's tricky. I, I, that's a tricky one. I think the first thing you got to do is sign Henry. But it, it depends on what Tannehill's going to command. I mean, I don't expect it to happen, but it made sense. One of the things I saw was, well, and I don't know the exact numbers, so don't hold me to this, but if Tannehill commands $28 million a year, and you've got Brady, who commands $30 million a year. You know, I think you take Brady for a year, two years at $30 million, you draft your quarterback of the future and let him learn. Uh, I just don't know that Hill can he do it more than one season? This was lightning in a bottle, so to speak, for us. So I have my doubts. He, he never did this at Miami, and he comes here and just tears it up in, what, a half a season. So... If you're painting, you're painting him on a half season. So, to me, that's just hard to do.
0: <laughs> he actually didn't do too bad. This is one thing that I have kind of argued with people on because there's been a lot of people that have been like, well, I don't even want him in a in a super flex league because you don't know that he's going to come back for them. He actually wasn't too bad in his early years with uh, with Miami. I mean, he wasn't great, but... But he, right. I mean, even this season, he was he was a great game manager this year on getting the team to the playoffs. But he doesn't have like lights out numbers. He had his best completion percentage, um, but like he had way more. Obviously, you don't, he didn't play every game. But you know, he had seasons right. in Miami where he threw for forty two hundred yards, and then of course, what we think of is you know twenty sixteen he had a crummy year, twenty seventeen he was hurt, twenty eighteen he he had a pretty crummy year, and then he got out of Miami and away from a crazy coach and all of a sudden in tennessee (laughs) he looked like a reborn player and you know and he was just an entirely different player but i mean he wasn't a bad quarterback at at you know 24 25 26 27 even and then he got hurt and it just seemed like he was never the same after that
1: yeah I, i mean i agree i mean he wasn't horrible down there i think getting away from that team helped him uh, he showed you put him around some playmakers, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, you know, Jono Smith, on a team with a good defense where he's not having to play catch-up all the time. Um, I think it benefited him really well. Uh, but, again, can he do it again? Um, and what's he going to command? Because I, I think if Tennessee don't pay him, somebody will. So that's kind of where
0: you're at right now. And quarterbacks are just making such insane money, it's oh, it's yeah. not even funny. You know, I, I got I to gotta throw one player at you who I truly believe is going to be a late-round <laughs> draft pick um, this year, and that's Corey Davis. Is, is he done? Man, you know, I was super high on him when he came out. I
1: was. And Everybody I was. Super was. On a- yeah, and I was super high on A.J. Brown, and I actually liked A.J. Brown better, and I was like, you know what? He's going to be the number one in Tennessee, and he is. I think there is a place for Corey Davis – But I just, man, I don't know. He just kind of seemed to fell off the earth this year.
0: I mean, he's just it just never been quite what was expected of him. I mean, yeah, everybody he was, thought he was going to be this huge receiver, and he <laughs> didn't do anything his rookie year in 11 games. He played all 16 games last year, didn't break 1,000 yards receiving, which was very surprising because everybody figured he was going to be a big deal. And then, you know, this year was even worse, 15 games. I'm sorry, yeah, 15 games, only started 11, and only had 600 yards receiving. I mean – it just I and with with what AJ Brown has done, you can't even put it on that he didn't have you know, it's not Mariota was a mess, no doubt. Yes. But I mean, what what's his excuse for this year?
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know, Brown's the one I think this with this offense, it all revolves around Derrick Henry. And then you're going to have A.J. Brown. You're going to have your tight end, which Johnny Smith has looked good. So I think that makes Corey Davis a fourth option on this uh, offense. And he just hasn't really produced. You know, he went from number one to number four, really. And, you know, he's going to fall in drafts. He is because, you know, he didn't have that great of a season last year. This year was even worse. Um, I think he's going to fall a long way. So if you can get him and he does good, you're going to get a good steal. But I mean, you're not going to be out a whole lot if if he doesn't either.
0: So as a Tennessee fan, where would you pick him up in a startup draft today? Oh
1: man, it would be late, uh, round twelve or later. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not reaching for him. Because, like I said, he's not the main option no more. He hasn't done anything to warrant it. Uh, AJ Brown's the guy. Jono Smith is probably passing him, I think. Um, and then you know you got Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can get him twelve or later, I would feel okay. But if you take him before that, I, I, I don't want no part of it.
0: Um, I just, I just can't believe what he's become. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so. One thing that Hollywood and I have in common is we're both uh, wrestling fans, so we're going to go a little off <laughs> off of the draft and late. And uh, we were—I t- was talking with some friends, um, and I kind of—I br- mentioned this to him before the show. But I have one friend that, uh, and he's my age, so he should know better. But he was talking about how <laughs> Jerry Lawler and Jr. are the greatest duo for announcing, and they're both awful now. I, Jr. being on oh, AEW is hurting AEW. Oh, and, you're, you're going to get me.
1: You're going to get me started on this, ain't you?
0: And Jerry's not doing great for the WWE. I will be forever, I mean, because it made wrestling for me was always Bobby Heenan and um, Gorilla Monsoon. And I always wanted to be Bobby Heenan. To this day, if I could, I, I know some guys in the wrestling industry now and I've thought about you know training and just being an independent manager because I never wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be Bobby Heenan. He was always my hero. And we were talking about, and I don't remember if it's 92 or 93, but it's the year that Flair came in. People say that Bobby Heenan made that rumble because Bobby Heenan was just Bobby Heenan. You know, they talk about (laughs) Vince being in their ears, and it didn't feel like at any point Vince was in Bobby's ear. Bobby just kind (laughs) of went and did his own thing, and it was where fair to Flair came from, and Bobby would be on the high and the low. It was the most bipolar, you know, announcing you could (laughs) ever get. But – Is there so? Who, in your opinion, is the top announcing duo in the history of pro wrestling? See,
1: I'm kind of mixed. Oh man, I love Bobby Heenan, but I also look. And most people will not agree with me on this. I love Jesse the Body Ventura when he was doing it with Vince McMahon. Um, He was just he just had it. He could do it. You know, he had that sound. He had that that uh, get the crowd or the audience on TV riled up. He was just. Those two, I wish they would have been more together. Heenan and Ventura, I think that would have been the perfect duo for me.
0: I don't think they would have been good together just because neither one of them could have been a face, and you kind (laughs) of need that back and forth. That's what made Gorilla and Bobby so great was was that you know Bobby'd be like, or Gorilla, you know Bobby'd say something stupid, and Gorilla'd be like, oh, you stop or. Or get out of here, or whatever. <laughs> right. And you know, in the way that they edited right. back then, you know, they'd do it right as as the as the screen would spin to go to the next thing, and so it was so perfect because it really kept you so in it. And there's just nobody like that today. There's, I mean, I'm not saying the announcing today is bad, but there's just nothing like that.
1: Yeah, there. I mean, it's. I'm with you on that. Today's group is just. I don't know how to explain it, but you're right. are nothing like the old guys. There's nothing like McMahon and Ventura. They're nothing like Monsoon and, and uh, JR and those guys. I mean, it's just completely changed the announcement. And I, I don't even listen to it really. I'm watching what's
0: going on in the ring now. I'm to that point because with... JR's just so bad on AEW, and Shivani carries that show because the other guy's not any good either, Excalibur. I don't think he's that great either. But but Shivani really carries that show. And I this isn't me ripping on AEW because I love AEW. I think any wrestling is good wrestling. Anything that gets the guys paid more and that gets, you know, puts more competition out there and gets NXT on TV because NXT is the best product out there today, bar none. Um, that is good by me. And that's why I love AEW because it got my favorite wrestling on T V. And oh, shoot, we lost him. So we had a little bit of uh, te- technical issues there, but we're going to go ahead and wrap it up today. And uh, Hollywood, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Uh, yeah,
1: they can find me over at Dynasty Football Factory, writing in the uh, IDP section or the IDP Debbie section. You can find me on Twitter at Hollywood at DFF underscore D-Win. You can find me on Facebook at IDP Nation page. Uh, if you're uh, Twitter or uh, a Reddit guy, you can find me in the IDP sub as Titan one uh, I'm basically everywhere. I'm on the IDP Nation podcast. I do a rated IDP with uh, Doug and Coach, and then um, I'm a guest host. I'm just making the rounds, so <laughs> I'm
0: a little bit everywhere. You guys, your show with Doug and, and, and IDP Nation both are great shows, and if anybody's <laughs> um, got any time to uh, – To take in another podcast, that is definitely one to go listen to. Um, I did get some great news today. For those of you that are listening to this for the first time, go back and listen to my first episode with Shane Manila. Uh, at dff underscore shane he's awesome and there was a reason i picked him to be in my first episode and i was super excited to have him so if you haven't listened to that one yet go do so you may have not listened because until about two hours ago we weren't on itunes i found out today that my apple podcast listing is there it's up it's working i'm stoked about this i've been waiting so long because unfortunately that's where most people listen and They are super slow at approving podcasts, and I should have been smart and made an episode zero. I had planned to, but time worked out for Shane and I, so I was very excited about that. But if you've enjoyed this pod, please follow us on Twitter, at at DraftingLate, for the latest topics and content. Please also follow at Dynasty Owner, our great sponsors. We couldn't do this without them, and Capology 101, my other show. Also, send me some late-round players you want more info on to either DFF Voice or at Drafting Late. And now give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and take some time to listen and follow Daryl. Have a great week and win late.